It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the bottom Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Arsenal Editor Podcast. <laughs> you can tell it's been a while. It's been a few weeks. I can I can only apologise. And I'm sure you've seen on Instagram. It's been a few reasons. I've um, had a sneaky little operation, which I'll pretend is a it is a sports injury when actually it's probably a sign of getting old. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> which took 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 me uh, took me aside for a couple of weeks. So fortunately, wasn't back then trying to round up the treats for a few people and um, no, really excited to be back. And I don't know if everybody's noticed, but actually since I've been away, we've uh, put three past Spurs and, and three past Liverpool. So perhaps we should stop podcasting altogether. <laughs> um, but here, here to talk it all through with us is our very own, of course, Connor Wright, our women's correspondent and uh, Arsenal fan extraordinaire. How are you doing, Connor? Doing very, very well. And as you said, been a long time and I've missed it. I've missed being able to give my opinion, to listen to others and to engage with the team. I mean, what an exciting time to be on the podcast. So I've been itching to get my thoughts across, to give you all the women's information that I possibly can as well. So excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, Connor, don't worry. I've not missed any of your opinions, so don't worry about it. Um, We've also got a brand new um, guest on the podcast. We've got Marcelo, i.e. Wenger's House, on Instagram, YouTube and other such channels. How you doing, mate? Welcome. Thank you, bro. It's an honor to be here. I apologize. You can hear in my voice that I enjoyed the uh, Liverpool match yesterday. The atmosphere at the Emirates was uh, unreal. So sorry if I mm. sound out of it. I promise I'm very excited. I'm just lacking in sleep at the moment <laughs> is all. You, you just sound and look like you've been cooking up a lot of crystal meth with Mr. White. That's they need the is. context, bro, because this is my first time, <laughs> this is my first <laughs> time on here. Yeah, okay? that's true. <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I should bad. probably Show say... Breaking Bad, everybody. Yes, I do not yes. cook crystal meth. <laughs> me. but well, I in do fairness, not we don't know that. You don't yeah. know that. You don't know that. But to be fair, I look and sound like Jesse Pinkman. I've been told that by so many people in the States, so... I'm happy that it translates over here as well. It does. It's a it's a big big program over here. I weirdly only smashed through it like two years ago, but it's great. Me too. Series. Me too. Super yeah, late. Yeah, yeah. Super late, and I, you yeah. know, and you you know, you were part of it. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so um, <laughs> well, that's why I didn't watch it because I was tired of making it. You know I mean? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, no, it's good, mate. It's great to have you on and it was great to meet you. So for for context for all the listeners and actually Connor, I don't think we've gone through this yet, but uh, Marcelo and I met. Uh, at 9.30 a.m. in a Weatherspoons where they were selling £2 pints in London. And for those of you who don't live in London, uh, that is extremely cheap. Rock for those of you who do, do live in London, it's the Coronet in uh, in Finsbury Park. So if you do want to go there, trust me, it's unbelievable. But um didn't start surfing till 10, but that was the North London derby. It was great to meet you then. And uh, what a day. We spent the whole day together. And quite frankly, that was unbelievable, wasn't it? A few, a few oh. too many of the 12 pins afterwards. Yeah, just a few, just a few. But no, nah, man, it was it was magical. I mean, as, a, as an international fan, you know, there's almost like not more obsessive, but the obsession is very strong for fans outside of the UK just because we can't, we don't have that same experience of going to matches and going to the pubs and just seeing the buzz around the ground, you know. So I've been wanting to go to a North London Derby since I was, you know, for over 10 years easily. So, yeah, to be there and to be able to meet guys like yourself who just are from here and know the ins and outs so so well, it was an honor, bro. So thanks thanks for letting me uh, join along. Hey, it was awesome. 
awesome. What a day, what a day. And again, mm-hmm. few, few, few too many, and it was good fun. And we were just talking <laughs> about before, we met met many people within the community, right? And you've got your Instagram that you connect with so many people. And, you know, I guess it's it's amazing to see people who do grow such an international community come so locally and then meet so many people. And actually, you know, it'd be good to hear even from you, I guess, even to kick things off about Liverpool, which is what we're here to talk about. What was, you know, I guess from the start, what was the atmosphere like? We were there at the North London Derby all season and all even last season, the, the atmosphere has been piercing. And I wonder how, how was it in the lead up? Yeah. I mean, I think just like the North London Derby, there aren't many games that'll come. No, nothing comes close to the North London Derby, but Liverpool is one of those fixtures where everyone's extra up for it. You know what I mean? So just like for the North London Derby, you know, at the, I don't know what you call the concessions, you know, like we're all the, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. at the concessions, every, there was, you know, every, every row you walk by, there's a different chant being sung. People were very ready. Uh, the energy levels were incredible. Um, I mean, me personally, I just get so anxious because it's Arsenal. Mm-hmm. You never know with this club. So I couldn't get too excited. But uh, no, nah, you know, the Emirates has never been this this unified ever. Um, so, you know, I think that just says a lot about what Mikel Arteta is doing with the fan base, with the club, the players were signing. So if something feels very different now, because my first game was a month before Wenger left. Mm. And that atmosphere yeah. was so bad. God, so I can imagine to now see, you know, the four year uh, difference. It's like, it's so clear. That's so interesting. Yeah, I can imagine. And, um, I, you know, I've been to a North London derby again a long time ago. So it, it's hard to um, hard to directly understand the difference there. But uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've been to many flat games since and I've been to big games. And um, it's kind of like the expectation when you go into it is... We know we're not that good, but we should be really in the top four. Man City are kind of coming up slash taking our place in what would consider be a top four. And it's like, oh, well, if we don't win, we're actually just angry. Um, whereas now it's kind of like the expectation level was lowered and now we're on a trajectory up mm-hmm. rather than either being stale or falling down. And I think it's really interesting um, where it is now. And obviously, you know, obviously a few wins help and liking the team and there's so many different factors. And um, yep. God, it's just such a good feel good atmosphere about the place i just can't put my finger on it do you know what i mean and um you know you you've now just moved to north london and it's uh you know i'm sure it's it's, it's evident I, you know i live in north london too and everywhere you walk there's a connection and it's something in the air i don't know if it's really quantifiable but it's it's really magical and it's um, there for sure and um I mean, look, obviously that was the vibe, all very excited. I was watching it from my flat, actually, and I was uh, pacing around from, from minutes beforehand, actually. Well, actually, I say that. <laughs> I actually got there uh, a couple of minutes late, I should say, because we were trying to move some plants in and do some really oh, yeah. boring stuff. Um, not adult mm-hmm. stuff, but, you know, being in the 30s stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, Connor, what did you think of the lineup? Because uh, there was a couple of interesting calls, I think. Yeah, I was surprised to see you know zinky winky wasn't there and i think that that was a shame and i wonder if he if he would have made it in that sense i think mm. what the sense i got tommy yasu which is sort of for me one of the main talking points uh was nailed on whether zinchenko and tierney were uh were fit and in favor and in form and i think it just showed in in terms of how we played so obviously, uh, Super Tommy has got got height advantage. So he's tall. He can play centre back, right back, goalkeeper, wherever you want him to play, and he can play left yeah, foot, right literally. foot. And I think that was just fantastic. And I can imagine that he was briefed all throughout the week on what Salah can do, what this person can do, what he'll try and do. So I thought that was extremely interesting in terms of 
what that meant, we did. So we played very, very narrowly as a result. So we had four centre-backs along the back line. And Tommy Yasu, I think, maybe made two or three overlapping runs in that whole game. So his job was effectively to stay and monitor that, what then became a back five towards the end, what was a back three at times, and just to keep it steady. And I think that was the most interesting call for me. I think the rest of the lineup is is to be expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ben White is doing fantastically. Uh, Gabriel's in there. Saliba's an absolute man monster. And then now it's sort of seeming that we have that midfield. We have that chaka Parte combination where Chaka's playing that box-to-box role, which seems he, he was born to play. I don't know why we haven't used him beforehand in that role. And you've got Odegaard pulling the, string, the strings. Martinelli absolutely playing his heart out. It seems to, he seems to turn it on every time against Liverpool. Uh, and Klopp's like his biggest fan apart from his dad. So, uh, you know, yeah. very much enjoying that game. Saka, absolute star boy. And then Jesus just leading from the front. He didn't get a goal, didn't get uh, an assist, but he sort of got a pre-assist for that penalty. Hey? So I think it's just... Yeah, tricky. exactly. And I think as a result, the only main talking point for me was that Tommy Esu call. I know. I think it was the only one. And you're, I actually haven't thought a bit about that Um in the whether or not if Sinchenko was fit, would he have started? And I think what we've seen from uh, Arteta this season is he probably would have mm-hmm. done, but it's quite hard to tell. I mean, for all the reasons that we've talked about, that Tommy Asu, he's, he's got the one-on-one defending, he's two-footed, uh, he's extremely strong in the air. And when they have those diagonal balls, I mean, what a scouting video like spot from from either Arteta or, or um, Airpod Albert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, from identifying that that is one of their key moves to Salah, who up going off after 60 minutes or whatever mm-hmm. I think it just looks like a masterstroke but you know as, as one of his favourites Inchenko I wonder if he would have started but I mean how would you feel if you're Tierney I mean Marcelo what do you think I mean first <clears throat> sorry about Tomiyasu uh, I think mm-hmm. for me after Saka and Saliba he's my favourite player at the club I love Tomiyasu so much man but I agree in that um, this was probably something that Arteta had been thinking about for some time and especially as a right-footed player, first of all, hes I don't think he's medically ambidextrous, but he's by far the most two-footed player at the club. So mm. Arteta, you know, he plays left center back for Japan. So he's very comfortable on the left side. He can play with both feet. But as a right-footed player, if you're defending a left-footed player on the right side, you know that you're safer when you when they try to get on their strong foot. You're also on your strong foot when they mm. cut in. So as a right-footed left back who's two-footed, I think that he was able to contain Salah. It also helps, obviously, that Salah's in the worst form of his Liverpool career. But mm. that doesn't take anything away from the fact that Tommy was, you know, he shut him down completely. Um, but yeah, man, I, I felt bad for Tierney too. I definitely did because yeah. that, that's got to hurt for him as someone who, you know, we just signed a left back. I don't think Tierney would have ever imagined that he would technically become, well, we don't know if Zinchenko's fit, but we don't, you know, I don't think he ever would have imagined that Tommy would be starting at, at left back over him. But again, I think because of that factor of being able to stop Salah's strong foot by cutting in, because he doesn't really drive to the byline so much like and, and use his right. You know, he tries to cut in at some point. So, yeah, I think it did make a lot of sense. But, you know, it, it does it does hurt for Tierney. But in theory, he should be starting for, for Europa. And thankfully, we're back in Europe. So he's got something for now. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious how long we'll hold on to him. Yeah, I do wonder what uh, you, you are right. I think some James McNicholas, who is the Athletics, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, correspondent, obviously for, for for Arsenal. He and obviously part of the Ars blog too. He, 
um, he put it really well once. He said that, you know, Tierney is an unbelievable left back. I'm just not sure if he's like the right, this is the right club for that quality of left back because he should be starting mm-hmm. somewhere. Wherever uh, he is. Right. He, he could start at City, probably. Like, you know, he's that good. Um, it's just sometimes, you know, horses for courses. And uh, I love mm-hmm. Tierney to pieces and I love him at the club. But I just wonder if you're Tierney sitting there. You know, you're thinking, I am that good. Maybe this isn't the place for me. I mean, we'll get onto that, I think, at another point. But um, I think he's got a huge role to play this season. And I think if I was Arteta, and this is just me, I think I'd probably be playing against Southampton and Leeds, or at least one of them. Um, maybe even the next one, I think, is what's Leeds next? Leeds away, isn't it? Yeah, so, Leeds away. Um, look, we've, we've talked about the lineup, we've got all that sort of stuff, but we haven't even talked about the mad, frenetic start that we've got. Um, mainly because I actually missed it as I was putting my plants down to turn the telly on. I was like, I told you, said to my girlfriend, I told you. <laughs> it was all very funny. But um, I, mean, I mean, talk me through it, Marcelo. You were there. I mean, talk, uh, uh, what was the buzz like and how did it all come up? It was crazy, right? Well, the first five minutes of any, well, not any match, the first five minutes of any big match, you're still settling in in terms of your nerves. So, mm you're first processing that this is actually happening, you know, like this is a huge clash. So we didn't have time to even process it and boom, delirium. Like I, I met, I hugged four strangers, five strangers, you know, how it goes. <laughs> I was, because it was a new area for me. I'd never sat there. So I was like, you know, I was just going mad with all these strangers and it was beautiful. Um, but I think there's almost not, you don't get complacent, but when you score so early after you have this whole game plan set out, assuming yeah. it's not going to come that quickly, Liverpool outplayed us for the entire half. And that's not because of the goal, but they just looked like they were more ready than us to try to make something happen. And so I was very nervous because I wasn't sure how, you know, it's Arsenal, man. Mm-hmm. Like anytime we could just collapse in a matter of three minutes and go behind 2-1. So... I was very, very nervous, but, and really quickly, really quickly, side note, do you remember the Brentford game? The first yep. passage of the game, we completed like 20 passes. Yeah, yeah. And then Martinelli should have scored. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, he did what he should have do- done against Brentford. So for me, it was satisfying to see, you know, after Brentford, he's not ready early in the game. Yesterday, mm. boom, took his chance perfectly. So mm. it was just great, man. Martinelli's a superstar. Yes, I think it was. Um, he, he's getting much better at this output sit thing, mm-hmm. isn't he? I think that was the question about him last year, which is ridiculous for a twenty-year-old. But he almost had it all, but the finish or but the final product at, at certain points of the season, and you know that inconsistency you can expect, right? Particularly of somebody that age, and he's just burst onto the scene this season. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and gone. I'm up there with you, Jesus. Like, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm one of you, and uh, I will be fighting for my place above Emil Smith Rowe. And obviously, unfortunate for Smith Rowe that, that, that he's out, out at the moment. But um, you know, Martinelli's had his injury issues. I think that's easy to forget, and that's probably born out of inconsistencies too. And um, or at least was a, was a reason why he was inconsistent at points. Um, even though he's been unbelievable and this season, it just seems like he's he's him and Jesus in particular. That level of energy, strength and power in the press just can lead to so much. I mean, there was the goal against Man United that should have stood, really, in my opinion. And um, even that was an unbelievable finish. I mean, um, that was obviously a crazy he had, finish. That was crazy Wasn't it, finish. right? And uh, if it wasn't for certain VAR decisions, we would have been looking at perhaps even a different result, never mind a different um, output of that individual action. But, um, Connor, I'm not sure, because looking, looking in the build-up to that goal, like, I don't know if you noticed, but Ben White's involvement 
Um, and I think actually Partey in memory through the build up, it wasn't like just this unbelievable passage of, or, or finish, I should say, or an even unbelievable pass. But what, what do you sort of think of the midfield aspect of, of, of how that built up? Yeah, I think, you know, it all went to plan. Uh, I think what you can clearly see there is the connection that that sort of front three just behind Jesus has. You know, we talk about the, the Gabby, Gabby, Gabby connection. We know three out of 11 players mm-hmm. called Gabriel. It's quite funny. All from, all from Brazil as well. And then you just think about how Gabby Martinelli links with Erdegaard, who then links with Saka. And they have that connection between them. They're playing week in, week out, which perhaps in the past we haven't had the luxury of. We haven't had the pleasure and privilege of being able to play the same squad in and out to have that yeah. established front line. So I think now we're seeing the fruits of that. We're seeing that connection. We're seeing Odegaard looks for Martinelli. He knows he's going to be steaming at 100 miles per hour up that left flank. So I think that's fantastic yeah. to see when you see all of it think together. And then now you've got Ben White being, I think it was in an athletic article, uh, that sixth attacker. And from there, you sort of see the benefit of yeah. it as well. It's massively true. Right? I'm actually just watching it now. So you've got like Saliba, actually, I forget. He pulls off an unbelievable, again, sweep. And then Ben White passes it out wide. And you can see like this is kind of thing with Saka at the moment. People tend to double up on him, but they tend to sit back off him in a sense too, because they're really nervous about which way he's going to go and they, they just can't figure it out. So there's this really obvious ball that just keeps opening up and it happens over and over again. It happened Partey's goal against um, Tottenham in that you've got two people, one trying to go on the outside, one covering the inside, because they just don't know where he's going to go. And he's got the capability that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it tends to open up man in the middle. There's a man over. So it just takes an Erdegaard sublime pass uh, to feed through um, and score an unbelievable finish. Did you did, did you see the offside thing? I don't know if you ever saw it. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that on the internet? It's, it's actually really interesting. Um, like, I, I am very very uh, much enjoying like, the salty tears from many a Liverpool fan, which we'll get oh, into. Yeah. Um, Klopp. But, Klopp and yeah. Van Dijk. He's going, they mate. both said to the press that it wasn't a penalty. Mm-hmm. So funny. Well, of course, they yeah, always going to say it. Oh, so funny, isn't it, right? But like, so, 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 uh, so basically, uh, for those that are listen, uh, you know, listening, Google it because, or search it on Twitter, whatever it may be, but there's a kind of angle where you think, oh, Saka could, look a little bit offside in the build-up to that goal, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But um, the, the interesting thing comes around, because I actually don't think he was offside, but there no, is a blind spot. Offside. He was not offside. There is a blind spot in this technology, which has been reported now uh, from several respectable news outlets. It's not just some Liverpool fan saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, there are five cameras in the stadium that have, um, basically have uh, like offside capabilities in tracking. So, but there's like, two blind spots and it's basically right in the corner where the halfway halfway line is and that's where Saka was mm-hmm. so there's no mm. binary way for them to tell or draw the lines because they can't see him on the offside camera which is so interesting which is so stupid and if that had gone the other way I'd be livid yeah. but yeah, they didn't but, so I'm laughing but that goal um that second goal though was really special because uh I didn't notice it until today yeah but all three Gabriels were crucial to the second goal. So oh my it started, God, yeah. So the way it started, Gabriel Jesus, again, I was like in match mode, so it's fuzzy, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure Gabriel Jesus um, started a counter. He, he you does. Know how, you know how he goes into 50-50s, man. This guy's a yeah, yeah. Like If he wants the ball, he's going to win it. 
So he wins the ball in our half. He drives up with the ball. He plays it out wide to Martinelli. Martinelli finds Saka, but why did no one expect Saka? Because Gabriel Magalhães did a dummy. Yeah, yeah. So all three Gabriels yeah, yeah. made that goal happen. Mate, I'd also tell you what made that goal happen is the fact that it's the 49th minute, I think it was, um, you know, in the first half. That and deep? like wow. It was literally the last action, pretty much. And, yeah, uh, it was. I what forgot was, that. What was, I forgot he's, that. he's probably gone. Gabriel, big Gabby, who's <laughs> probably gone. Do you know what? He's gone. I was probably at fault for our previous goal, which we'll get into in a sec. So when we conceded, I'm just going to tank up the other end of the pitch because it's the last See action. See what I can do. I've never seen someone sprint so fast. Yeah, he just went for it and he just dummied. It was amazing. I mean, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Saka. So, but we did see that sort of Gabriel Jesus does his thing, gets his body on the line, turns unbelievably, spreads a brilliant ball out to Martinelli. And there was the, uh, the brilliant cross to, to, to Saka. And like, it was the kind of um, Gabby, Martinelli, Shaq, uh, Saka combination that the front three that was really nice to see. But um, mm. it was interesting because that came at the end of the half. And I do think, to be fair to Liverpool, because I thought our press was brilliant, like really good. We surrounded the right players at the right time. But Thiago, there was two or three times where he just turned it like magically. Mm-hmm. And it turned touch, them on the front foot. His first it's ridiculous. Touch is insane. Yeah, ridiculous. I'd have him, oh, I'd love to have him in the team. He's quite suspect well, defensively. We already um, have one midfielder who can never stay fit. So yeah. I don't think yeah, I want to. True. That's true. And we've got Granite Shaka and quite frankly, I wouldn't replace him for Prime Zidane. So, um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it was interesting. I mean, what did you think of the goal we conceded? Which one? Uh, the first one. So we'll go the first one. So I think basically I'll tee it up in the sense that I think there's been a lot of discourse around uh, whether or not this is Gabby's fault, if it's just unlucky. Like, what do you I think? It's, think? Sorry. No, no, what do you think? I think it's both. Uh, Gabriel mm. and Saliba, I think... I think obviously for the first person that felt is Gabrielle, if you are going to go for the ball to clear it, you mm. can't miss it. Yeah. You know, so he should have had enough contact to put it out of play. But unfortunately, Saliba should also know that Gabrielle is the most mistake prone player in our side. So if you watch, I think what might have thrown Gabrielle off too is that Saliba was actually very physically close to Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. So instead of Saliba dropping back or to the side to anticipate maybe something happening, they were kind of in the same place. And that's why we were so exposed and Darwin Nunes was able to get past Gabriel. So um, I think it's, you know, both center backs are at fault, but Gabriel, if you're going to commit, you got to clear it. Yeah, I think so. And he, he had a few hesitational moments, didn't he? And um, I, uh, look, I, I, it's really easy to focus on Gabriel because I think he's, he, He's next to a player who everybody's got a song for. Uh, everybody's desperate to see sign a contract. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves him. The worst of the rest of the league is lighting up to him. So, but I do think there was a disconnect between those two throughout some of the game, and I think particularly for that twenty minutes. And yeah. I, I did see similar traits when we got really excited in um, in Old Trafford, you know. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's necessarily Saliba or Gabriel has got one or two mistakes in him, but. Um, you know, I think for the for, for the most part, he's actually been unbelievable for us, and I certainly wouldn't place him for anyone at the moment. So, um, but I think that happens when you're a young centre back pairing. We've let's face it, played ten games together, mm-hmm. <laughs> and are still playing at this level. That's so, mad. That's important mad, to it? say. You have to say that. It's crazy. 
Crazy, crazy. But um, Mm -hmm. what was your take on it, Connor? Yeah, I think, you know, similar to Marcelo as well, it's a little bit of both. So as Marcelo mentioned, uh, Saliba was close. And then I think that made Gabriel think, even for just a split second, that, okay, is he going to come and clear it for me? Mm. Oh, no, he's not. Let me quickly stretch. And then as a result, sort of fluffed it a little bit Mm. and then exposed the defense. So Saliba tried to get out and then went through his legs. And then in it goes, so Gabriel couldn't couldn't get back. And, you know, as you say, it is a young centre-back pairing, only 10 games. And they're also speaking yeah. both in their second language, uh, perhaps even third for, for one oh, yeah. Uh So they're communicating to different players, perhaps communicating in French, because Gabriel did spend his time. I was going to say, I think, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. French. Yeah, so then they've got... That's hilarious, because they were supposed to have time in Lille. Yeah, exactly. So they're speaking, whether it's in, in English or in French, uh, not in their maternal maternal tongue. And Saliba's only just coming back into to speaking English. Gabrielle's been there for a while, but now has also been out of France for a while. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And what do you think of... I'm being really picky here, and um, I don't think this is really fair, but like, I think there's been a few times where Ramsdale has, like... I think I like... That, so, so he's one of my favourite players, and I think he's basically the best goalkeeper we could have at our club at this point. And as, an, as a development in area, which you will have as a Premier League goalkeeper at the age of 23, um, you know, most of them don't peak till they're in their 30s, right? Do you know what I mean? This, mm-hmm. if, this is a player who can improve, and that's what's really exciting. It seems to me when he spreads the ball, spreads himself against uh, like a ball or someone who's coming at him very in a close area, I think he could make himself bigger and position himself a bit better. And I do wonder if he just smothered a bit more timing than appropriately on Nunez. Look, it's a one-on-one chance. You're, you, it's a hit and hope when you're a goalkeeper, right? But I do wonder, there's been, there's been a few times I've thought, hmm, I wonder if the goalkeeper's coach is working on him with him. Um, like, I think how to spread yourself a little bit better. I do wonder that. I don't know if you've ever come across that or ever thought of the same thing. And I'm only really just sort of highlighting it because this is a couple of times I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, obviously not a mistake you could never say that about somebody's one-on-one and you know it's ridiculous but I do wonder what you think no I I I think that you're right in that that's happened with Ramsdale for sure there are moments Mm. where I mean this isn't about spreading yourself but I actually think back to the Liverpool game in the Carabao Cup second leg those were some dodgy goals he gave up there. Yeah, the yeah. post one and the slow roller. No, no, no. The slow roller was uh yeah that was Jota yeah both goals were Jota right yeah I was there so There you go. So there are moments for sure where I see where Ramsdale has a lot of room for improvement. But no, see, the other problem is that Gabrielle will, these moments will happen where Ramsdale's left exposed um, and he doesn't have the time to reposition himself accordingly. So like the first goal, for example, like I, I just don't think that there were, he just was caught out um, Yeah, kind of unavoidably. But no, he's got a lot of room for improvement for sure. Yeah, but uh, but like in a great way, you know. This isn't exactly, like exactly. That's exactly. this isn't like oh god, that's a bit dodgy. It's like this guy is performing at a ridiculously high level, and we would not be part of our offensive force. Is 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 his foundation is built with him, and uh, the way he spreads the ball, I thought was really interesting yesterday. Just how much he was spreading it and going long. I think I was talking about it actually whilst watching it, and um, I think it was a real clear opportunity for us to pin the wings and try and get back and try and get up the pitch, and it clearly works. So. Um, right, we'll move on to the, the the Gabrielle handball. Talk to me, Connor. What are you saying? 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think, well, what you said earlier is that um, it was the proximity of Gabriel to the cross. So the, mm-hmm. I think the only reason he got away with it is that he, it was just too close for him to react. But what's funny is that when before the cross was played, his arm was down. And then when the cross was played, his arm was up. It was such an unnatural position. So I was 100% certain it was a penalty. And I was I was celebrating like a madman when they shrugged it off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it a step further. I think there was mm. three solid reasons why it wasn't given. Please. Maybe four. So firstly, uh, I think it's a natural position. And the reason is... What? Yeah, but like he's running at full speed. Are you an right? Arsenal fan? Are you an Arsenal yeah. fan? Yeah. Right? By chance, by chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's running at full speed, trying to keep his arms behind his chest, right? Which is really unnatural, by the way. Mm. But yeah, everyone tries to do it. And then suddenly right. he tries to leap. So he... Like his momentum is taking him forward, and then as the ball is kicked, second reason at the closest proximity at full pace, he's trying to get it out of the way. It slams into him. Mm. Third reason hits his chest first. Watch it again. Hits his chest first. Let's oh. three three laws. I missed the chest. You, you can have take your pick. There you go. Yeah, I, I did. It I'm first. sold, to Toby. I'm sold. Fine. I'm a salesman. What can I say? Yes. Um, so there you go. So if Liverpool fans are listening, take your pick, mate. Honestly, if you don't think if you don't think it was close enough, fine. It he hits chest. Gave you don't options, think it was guys. Chest, fine. Um, take your pick. Whatever you want, mate. Oh dear. Anyway, good stuff. Um, alrighty. Uh, the penalty. It's two two. Um, did we miss it? What's Liverpool goal? What did they do? What was their second one? Okay, the second yet. goal was Saliba's fault. Oh uh, yeah, that was the Firmino. It was so, a very good finish. So Firmino, but it was yeah. Again, Firmino, Saliba sees Firmino running in behind him. This was the, this was like the menu, like you were saying earlier, Toby. It was mm. sort of like menu. Obviously, our our line wasn't as high. I have to watch it again because I don't remember if we had lost possession in our third or if they had just brought the ball up. Whatever it was, mm. you can see Saliba sees Firmino making the run in behind, but yet and Firmino's not the paciest guy. Somehow though. It's a good ball, to be fair, but it, it was strange that Saliba didn't position himself knowing where Firmino was and reading the run, but the finish was world-class. Yeah, it was unbelievable. The finish was amazing. Like, it was the only bit of the goal that the he could get only to Ramsdale not getting there and um, yes. I think the defender covering. But, uh, yeah, no, it was. I, I sensed the same when we were at United again, like you say. Like, I think we were so on top, which is actually, again credit to them but they're just a young team and um i thought we were really pushing um and i think the team got quite excited since the since the 3-1 um was on the cards and maybe a little bit of a maturity from a combination of a couple of players Sab- saliba definitely at fault towards the back and um slotted it away a bit annoying um but ultimately probably a learning point and it was a really good finish i think uh, i think sometimes you do just put your hands up and say that but it was disappointing because i think to be honest the whole of the second half, it was all us. So, um, and that passage of 
three, four, five plays that led up to that penalty finally being given. Um, you know, what did you make of it, Connor? Absolutely. And guess what? If you have last season, we were desperate for any t- touch in the opposition box. We're, we're, we're hoping for something to happen. We're calling for the referees. We're hoping that every small chance we have has to go our way and we have to be perfect to score that goal because we don't have that many. We have 46 touches in the opposition box today. The most amount Liverpool conceded in, I think, since two seasons. And it's like, if you do that enough, something like that will happen. And guess what? Thiago, if you kick somebody's foot, no matter how soft you think that might be, you're making the referee make a decision. Um, and we were, it's no coincidence that we were fizzing around that box for about three minutes before that. Granite Jacker seems to be pinging in left yeah. everything. You know, we were really, really pumping away. And it only took something that was contact. Uh, did he go down easily? Probably. But, um, you know, something that we cited as something that we needed to improve on for the last 10, 15 years is something about being streetwise. Yeah, God, that was... mm-hmm. definitely, definitely, and um, thank God he didn't. But uh, I mean, look, Bakaya Saka, what more can you say about this kid, right? And uh, he's having a bad season, according to a lot of people, but uh, he's doing pretty well for a bad season, right? Um, yeah. uh, from you know, the narrative obviously is quite easy to, to portray, uh, obviously, from the final the fact that he missed a penalty but really since then scoring against what Chelsea Manchester United Tottenham and now um and now Liverpool so it, it's it's really easy to see just how clear it's becoming did he, did he score, he score and against City Tottenham. bro and City and City of course he's got a against beautiful all of them. goal a beautiful absolutely. goal absolutely of course he did but so you know this is a player who's who's really come back and, and shown what he's worth and he's still 21 and to be taking penalties for Arsenal and very well um, 
is is just i mean he's phenomenal there's there's, there's not much more you can keep saying about this kid is there no there's not but for uh the penalty though man was so it felt like i was play, i was at home watching or like mm. uh, playing fifa because mind you i was the last row all yeah. the way at the top well, yeah. but but central to the goal so it was literally like right aligned like this and i couldn't watch until like 10 seconds before he kicked it like because you know how pens go liverpool's yeah. complaining there was like two minutes of just standing around arguing blah 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 but the anxiety was just ridiculous man it was it was so heavy i was freaking out i was praying to the universe literally please let this go in I believe in Saka with all of me. He's an incredible penalty taker. The penalty against Chelsea, ice cold. The penalty against United, ice cold. So, you know, I don't think people are talking enough because, you know, people always bring up the the Euros miss, obviously. People aren't just acknowledging he is a really good penalty taker. You were talking about the bravery it takes, and that's like, it takes so much bravery. And the quality, though, is like, it's ridiculous. So yeah, this kid can do everything. He can do everything. He can yeah, I can't and imagine what it was like in the stadium. And tell that to Southgate. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm kind of picturing. Yeah, it would only be too too perfect, right, for him to step up in the World Cup final and or semi or something and step up and win it and uh, win the penalty. Yeah, right. That would be only too perfect. But um, no, nah, I mean, what more can you say? Um, I guess the only other talking point, I guess, is uh, obviously finally got through. I think we played really well for ten minutes towards the end, and then it got a bit shaky at the end. Naturally, being of FA referee, they gave them as many minutes as they could to score. Uh, I think we got to like 98 minutes, um, but obviously didn't happen. So uh, the only other talking point, Jay Zeus. Um, a few things around there. Firstly, do you think the elbow that he got was a red? And secondly, how uh, how did you feel, particularly in the stadium, Marcelo, about him staying on the pitch? What was the atmosphere like when he was out cold? Um, yeah, I think people were very nervous. One, obviously, that he was concussed. Um, and I think a lot of us were pretty sure. Oh, I think a lot of us were pretty sure that he should we continue or. Yeah. Oh, is he gone? Oh, he's gone. Oh, that's right. we'll, we'll continue. We've lost. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at the okay, tweet yeah, yeah. about, about Gary, uh, Gary, basically Gary Driscoll's come out and said that leaving, you know, his fall looked awkward, but showed no signs of concussion, concussion, which we can right, only right, trust. Right. right. But sorry, exactly. please continue. We've lost, no, we've but, lost Connor, but it's fine. It's all right. It's all right. Didn't um, need him anyway. <laughs> There he is. Oh, he's back. There he is. <laughs> Technology. But yeah. No, you yeah. Um, but Jesus, right? Wait, we were talking, oh, the head, just the head injury. I mean, yeah, mm. it's funny because, you know, he, old, I mean, um, Connor was saying like, you know, he won us the penalty. So we're mm. lucky that they didn't enforce the concussion protocol because, well, to be fair, I love Enketia. It's It's, it's amazing how much. I don't even like to say he's improved. I think physically he's become stronger. He's bulked mm. up. But I think what we're seeing more than anything is it's just confidence, man. Ninety mm-hmm. percent of football is confidence. And to be shown the lack of faith he's been shown his whole Arsenal career, basically, I think we're just seeing a player who now understands that he is believed in. Um, but anyways, yeah. you know, I'm we're thank I'm thankful Jesus stayed on the pitch. I'll actually be honest with you, there were moments where he he made a couple like really poor decisions or he had really poor touches. And I was like, I don't want to see that from my five time Premier League winning number nine, you know, but again, he started the season incredibly. So, you know, we don't have to complain. We won, but you know, it's just something we have to hold him to a high standard. That's all. 
definitely. He's a brute. He's an absolute brute. That's something I didn't know he could do. I didn't know he was a nasty little so-and-so. Like, you mm-hmm. know, and he, the way he can use his body to win the ball back, which is uh, crucial in at least two of the goals. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Or actually all three, because obviously he won the penalty too. He's, he's got a big part to play. And I think there were definitely mm-hmm. times where his touch or his decision-making did let him down. But when you are so crucial to everything else we do and lead from the front in such a way, like... If 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 your game has so many aspects that if one or two aspects fall down and you can still play that well, then exactly. so be it. You know that's that's the kind of force of nature we have. So um, no, absolutely buzzing. And look, I appreciate we actually got quite a few questions and um, want to make sure we do a few. So let's crack on. Uh, and Toby, just before saying, we move on as well, it's just to mention mm, that I hope the incident between Gabby Magalhaes and Henderson isn't too grave as well. There is an FA investigation yeah. into that, and I'm not sure if there's anything to find, but we hope that what was said isn't uh, isn't to be regretted. Yeah, I, I, it's it's hard to say on a podcast like this, right? Because ultimately, we've got no idea. I think all that some some Henderson has said something uh, to clearly said something to uh, to Gabriel that incensed him. I don't see him like that very often, and we've seen Jacka be really calm. And but uh, for, for a long time, and he heard it, and you could see how irate Jacker was. And then there are a couple of clips where, obviously, there's the famous image of Firmino looking at um, looking at Henderson, going, "Oh, I'm really disappointed." There's uh, Fabinho consoling, uh, not Fabinho, sorry, Fabinho consoling, um, or at least going, "Ah, oh, sorry, mate." Basically, kind of language mm-hmm. to to Gabriel. And then there's the Tiago one, who then relays what was said to Allison. Allison is like puts his hands on his head like this. Um, don't know. That's not, I, I guess. Uh, it's know, just to say we, we hope that it isn't but, regrettable yeah. and we, we stand so. by Gabby. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So, um, um, absolutely. Yeah. Go, 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 hopefully nothing too bad there. But um, man of the match, guys. Uh, Marcelo, what are you saying? Tommy Asu. Tommy Asu. Sure. Right. Hard to say no to that. Um yeah, I mean, this was his first start of the season in the Premier League. So mm-hmm. for him to start against Liverpool as his first start in a position he's never started in for Arsenal, and for him, uh, don't quote me, but I think he had the most, it was either um, he had the most tackles, interceptions, or, or uh, 50-50 duels. He was incredible. And I I got a sense at the ground that a lot of people were not happy to see him starting at left back. I was mm-hmm. the happiest guy at the Emirates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I have nothing but faith in this man, and he exceeded expectations. He exceeded the expectations. So, yeah, tell me for me. Yeah, no, completely justified his positioning. And it was really, really good to see him back. You know, I think he's been crucial for so much of what's been successful over the last year. Um, and it's, it's a really nice problem to have that we've got so many quality quality players so um yes Connor what are you saying yeah so Marcelo took my my vote so I'm going for there you go he's got his shirt for those <laughs> listening into the podcast showing his Tommy Asu shirt nice. Tommy, the Tommy Asu t-shirt. black kit is what we like to see love um, it love it so for me I was going to pick Tommy Asu uh but then Gabriel Martinelli has to be for me goal and assist started the game absolutely electrically and for me, is proving to be an absolute beast. Feeling bigger, his presence has been yeah. felt through defences, and he's got that number yep. eleven shirt now. So I think he's ready to kick on. 
Mm-hmm. Like it, no complete reason why I think he was just a force of nature again. Like honestly, he's just getting better and better and better. So Martinez was going to be my one. I think my second was probably going to be Tommy Asu, but <laughs> I'm going to say Ben. I'm going to say Ben White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he was class again. He's steadily yeah. just being a better and better defender every week. Um, it will. I'm just a few things that I saw like of him once on the wing doing a player putting an unbelievable cross, um, being really calm at the back slow and build up play making things go happen and uh, I'm just laughing at the fact that like Maguire's still the one getting in the England squad we've got Connor Cody I'm just like coming it's like guys come on let's grow up we can play better football than this and no wonder <laughs> we're not scoring many because we've got all these brilliant attacking players we've got no one to build up the plays you're playing two oafs at the back um, <laughs> another day another conversation but uh, so I'm going to go Ben White so I think he deserves it um, um, Connor do you want to take us through your dick of the day yeah, I'm so. It actually fills me with so much joy to say this. So my take of the day mm-hmm. is Piers Morgan. Uh, for anyone oh, who's lovely. listening who knows me, I'm like Piers's. I the, one of the things I hate in my life is that Piers is an Arsenal fan, and one of the things I didn't like to see was how he lambasted and completely went against anything Arteta ever did, whether he went to the toilet, breathes, or whatever decision. Uh, Piers was against it and especially in the mm. Obama Yang scenario he thought that this was an absolutely horrendous decision and com- uh, basically turned into uh, Obama Yang's spokesperson that anything Obama Yang did whether it was tie shoelaces or score a goal he reported on and said look at what you're missing out on and then now he's put mm. up on Twitter saying that you know I dedicate myself to Arteta now I trust the process you've proved me wrong and I just think you know I, I think what an idiot so you should have believed all along yeah. and you can't just jump on the bandwagon now. So my dick of the day goes to Piers Morgan. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Mid, big middle finger to big Piers. That's all I can say. Um, Marcelo, you, you're, it's your first time on the podcast. Well, so thinking about oh, but you, went, day, you, went, sure. you got third scraps for the last one, man. You go next. Okay. All right. Sweet. Well, to be honest, the good thing about Dick of the Day is it can be anyone from anywhere for anything. So yeah, there's no rules, no rules. Yeah. But I've, I'm going to go for Sky slash BT. Not for a reason. Ah, that's, um, not for a reason. Yeah. So the reason is we have quite clearly the best poet slash commentator in the world in the name of Peter Drury, who isn't anywhere across like our English... Um, broadcasting services and it's like mate he is brilliant in every way i mean i'm so bored of martin tyler and gary neville and you get to <laughs> put steve McManaman and bloody god knows who god just like i'm so done with it and we've clearly got the best in the world um lying around the corner who's, who's very young as well we're talking about up-and-coming teams you know he's someone that could be uh taking have you, have you guys seen his commentary for mm-hmm. some of the stuff like the sack of penalty and stuff it's really? just like yeah, yeah, Peter Drury. When, but when you add the violin music, it's like Titanic. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. They should do that live in the game. Yeah, yeah. Right, um, right. Yeah. I think they yeah. should do that. But that's that's mine. So it's a less aggressive one, considering we've got probably every single Liverpool fan in the world that could be on this today. Your Neil Mellors, your Stephen Manamans, your all sorts of different people. But um, say, Levy, how about you, Marcelo? Are we allowed? Do you swear on here or no? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I won't, I won't, I won't. Um, no, it's okay. I won't, and I'm resisting so much. Just know that Darwin Nunez. Oh, you little yeah. piece How of shit. Even... Yes. You little piece of shit. That celebration, bro. That was in front of me. I no. was so livid, bro. And of course he lost. You can't celebrate like that, bro. You're asking to become a meme. 
Bro. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, wait. I was actually about to reveal. Okay, yeah. So, yes. Darwin Nunez, bro, that celebration. First of all, I hope he just go, goes and headbutts Klopp. Like, yeah. go focus on you, bro. You have anger management issues. That's okay. Don't cry, bro. You're not Mbappe. That's all I'll say, man. We won. Can you do me a favor? Can you well, call... Can you call Nunez a little bitch in the uh, Aaron Paul voice? <laughs> Darwin, you're a little bitch. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Boom. That's, that is so Jesse Pinkman. I love it. Okay. <laughs> oh, what a lovely way to end that section. But yeah, yeah. mate, honestly, like I, I, the, the Nunez. I was boy, shocked he's that like, neither you of you... <laughs> the fact that neither of you said him, I was shocked. Yeah, I, I can't believe lucky. I didn't. I was yeah, I even posted about it. Well, it, it just shows so my hatred of Piers Morgan, to be honest. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, true, true. But I thought, yeah. like, to be, it's what, his second goal of the season? Third goal of the season? Second, second. That, second say, goal. That is brilliant. Yeah. And you missed brilliant. three because you headbutted a guy. Calm down. <laughs> oh, God. Well, look, let's um, let's move on to some... Um, uh, let's move on to some questions anyway. So I think we've got through quite a few there. And we've got, let's say, probably another 10, 15 minutes. So let's try and get through as many as we can. And I'm going to try our transition music again. So I'm just going to try it. And we're back. Slash, just played a bit of music. Um, so um, let's go through. Um, we kind of touched upon Ramsdale, but Team Citizens, which does suspiciously sound like this person's a City fan, says, um, what are your thoughts on Aaron Ramsdale's clean re- sheet record? And maybe we shouldn't actually direct that towards Aaron Ramsdale, because I don't think that's fair. But if you do look at our last, well, pretty much all of our Premier League games, there's been very, very few clean sheets, and actually none at home from memory. What are your, wow. what are your takes on that? Let's have a look at this, actually. Go on, you, you, you sort of see we can pick holes in it. I'm just going to get up the... Um, do you want this one first, Connor, or do you want me to jump in? Yeah, you go for it, Marcelo, and then I'll feed off you. Sure. So we're saying lack of clean sheets. Um, I mean, for me, the main thing is just Partey's unavailability to start the season. I think the only reason that we didn't beat Man U was because Partey wasn't playing. If Partey mm-hmm. started that game, we would have comfortably beat them. And, and I genuinely think that because when you look at, yes, there were huge gaps in our back line, but Thomas Partey, what he's so brilliant at is closing all of those gaps. So I think the clean sheet, I mean, obviously we still can't keep clean sheets when, when parties in, but I mean, if we really looked at most of these goals we've conceded, some of them, yes, are avoidable, but Tottenham was mm-hmm. always going to get one goal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of these goals, I don't look at it. I don't think, oh, you know, that was a horrible goal to concede, but I do think that our lack of depth still in center midfield is what hurts us defensively more than the back four itself. Yeah. I think it is interesting. I'm looking at the so two one against Villa, two one against uh, Fulham, four two against Leicester City, two nil at Palace. Wait, hold on, that's going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Three nil away. So that's our. I think that's our only clean sheet of the season. When, but I do also think that our defensive record is like second best in the league. Or boast XG uh, against and goals. Is that correct? Oh, I didn't know about I XG. Know. I don't know about XG. That's cool, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. I um, mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Against. Okay, so we conceded 10. Um, Man City have conceded 9. But Spurs and Chelsea have also conceded 10. Um, Newcastle and Brighton around the 9. So actually, it, it's not too bad. A lot of people around and, the 9s and 10s. And the only other thing I want to say really quickly, Connor, because I want to hear what you, I want to hear your point. But if we broke it, if we broke it down real quick, bro, the Fulham goal 
Gabriel Mistake. The Villa goal, an Olympico. Um, the Tottenham goal, Tottenham's going to score. And then really yesterday was the first time where I look at both goals and I'm like, those were very poor to concede. And even Madison's goal for Leicester. Ramsdale should be closing his legs there. So yeah. all these goals are really mostly either individual mistakes or freak moments. Unless you're Douglas Louise, because I guess you can score corners whenever you want. <laughs> but God, you know. yeah, it it does feel a bit like that. Like I, I think a lot of people, at the risk of sounding like um, Frank Lampard, where first goal shit, <laughs> second goal not very good. You know, it's uh, it, it, like it, I think a lot of them have self inflicted. And actually, last season, the season before, I think we had a, quite a few of those. And I do wonder if just the fact that we are quite a young team, we do have things like that, we are still ironing out and we do get excited and push too many up people up the pitch for different reasons, that those things are just going to happen with the team. And as long as we're scoring as that many goals, you know, maybe it's not too much of an issue, but I do wonder if it's going to sting us again. And um, what do you think, Connor? Yeah, I think when we look at this kind of this kind of topic, it's to see why are we conceding goals? Because of course, clean sheets can be a clean sheet, um, but we've conceded, you know, 20 chances. We were just lucky not to concede a goal. And then perhaps it's a clean sheet because we were really good defensively. So a lack of clean sheet is always important to look into why we didn't get the clean sheet. And for me, I think in this case, as, as Marcelo was saying, as you were saying, Toby, it's those kinds of individual mistakes. So I think the positive side on this whole thing is that we're able to see that it's fixable. It's something that we're improving on. It's something that can be ironed out in the sense that we're not conceding worldies all the time. We haven't got a defense that's in disarray. I think it's just these individual moments that just need to be ironed out on the course of the season so that we're able to compete for where we want to compete. So I think the lack of clean sheets is something to think about, but why we're lacking those clean sheets is something that is able to be fixed. Yeah, definitely. I think we've had quite a hard run. I think that's fair to say. And I think um, let's have a look at the next couple of games, Leeds away, Southampton away, very difficult challenges. And if we can keep a clean sheet away, I think we'll be looking pretty good. So, um, alrighty then. Gunners GM says, who do you believe is the best centre-back in the league and why is it Saliba? <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's very good. Marcelo, what do you think? It's a really, it's a really hard question to ask because, I mean, my answer is not Saliba because he's played 10 games in this league. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not going to give him that title until he has two consistent years of excellence here. On on form and the eye test, he's easily one of the best. But that's not what it's about at the end of the day. You're measured about consistency over multiple seasons. So, you know, and he will be that guy, I have no doubts. But if we're talking mm-hmm. about, say, you know, like right now, he's been pretty average. But Human Diaz for Manchester City, fantastic center back right now. Yeah. He's a little average. Van Dyke, I don't know what's happening to Van Dyke, man. That man is a shadow of himself right now. Mm. But so is all of Liverpool. So to be honest with you, man, I don't I don't think I have like a fantastic answer off the top of my head. Um any of any names stand out for you guys? Well, I think um just on Saliba himself, I agree with you. You know, you can't just block up at ten games and be the best centre back in the league. It's just not possible. But I think he looks the part. I think that's and yeah. if anything, I think he believes he's the best centre back in the league, which is half the battle. And I think that's probably why he's half the reason why he's so good and so calm in his touch and his ability to get forward, get back so easily. There was that run against Luis Diaz, who was through and just eased him out of the way. It was almost oh, like he just eased him out was... the ground. It was it was mm-hmm. like we weren't even worried. Would worry if that imagine if that was Mustafi or if that yeah. was, <laughs> 
It's you know what that, you know what that's it's called? Sad. That's called trauma. Yeah. Nice. Exactly. PTSD is what it's called. Um, but yes, yeah, absolutely. PTSD is. And um, <laughs> <laughs> using that. Um, so, uh, yeah, best sense about the league. Too hard to say. I think Diaz is probably the right answer, isn't it? But what do you if think? If we're basing um, it off last season, yeah. Sorry. Hmm. Go, go. No, or, no, no, no. or um, probably Connor Cody or Maguire if you're Gareth Southgate. <laughs> um, Literally. Yeah, for, for me, it's Ruben Diaz or uh, Virgil van Dijk, but they're both not on red-hot form. So you're looking at form over the last 10 games, Saliba has to be up there. But I think, you know, mm. as Marcelo said, you need those two years of excellence and being at least perceived by everyone as the best centre-back in the, in the league to be actually worthy of that title. And I think we'll see when he starts coming up against those teams more and more what he's made of. So he's had Liverpool, he's had Man United, he's had Spurs, and he's done well. But he- Yeah. Fair. That's a fair assessment. And um, yeah, Whew, what a player. Uh, quick one. That's good. Wait, were you not making? Were, were you not doing the impersonation of of the Brentford no, manager? You no, were. I was. Yeah, yeah. I was doing okay. Four. I was making sure. Yeah, I was making sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oof, I, I thought oof. that would go really under the radar. It was poof. That was it. Not four. Yeah. No, <laughs> sorry. Klopp was the four, and Frank was the yeah. Frank was Frank oof. was the oof. oof oof what a player. Um, yeah, I'm Klopp. so glad you picked it up. I thought that would go right under the radar. No, I, yeah, yeah. So, I was making sure. I was making sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Good one. That was class. That was class. Quam <laughs> uh, Stewart. Just a quick one. Um, how much is Martinelli worth in today's market? Mm, I love this one. I love six hundred and fifty million pounds, <laughs> and and my soul. and a bonus signing. Of, Anything? Oh, yeah, 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 and and my ha- yeah, and like yeah, just <laughs> all your plants, everything. all of your plants. all my possessions, all of, all of my plants. I picked up on Sunday to Mrs. Goal. Um, yeah, but seriously. Um, <laughs> But seriously, six hundred fifty million. But yeah. seriously, six hundred, uh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot. I don't even know how to answer that. Well, question. wait, 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 wait. So Let let's change the, let's change the question slightly. Sorry to whatever yeah. your name is. At the well, end of this season, when, mm. when he has twenty goal contributions, what will his value be? He'll be twenty two years old. Twenty two years old. The way he's playing in this team at his age. <sighs> Hundred over a hundred comfortably. Whoa, I'm not there yet. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I think you have to consider, like, put it this way: what other attackers are we looking at in the market? Anthony went for eighty million. Yeah, true, true, true. And he's only played in the end. But the, gla- but the Glazers, but the Glazers. True. I mean, look, there's a lot of factors in here, right? I mean, you're looking at other players have gone for that much. You're looking at what league no, you can actually true. sell into. It's like, the market. How it's big the market. is his contract? There's all sorts of different things. You know, it's crazy things that are happening when, you know, ultimately, if, the, if, a, if a club wants to keep the player and has a six-year contract, he probably charge 200 million if someone right. really wants him. As, you know, it's, it's, I guess the answer is how much someone's prepared to pay. That's a bit of a boring answer. My, my number right now is 80. Okay. But he... 81, because he's better than that. 81, yes, 81. 81. 81. Right, right, right. I agree. But you also That's have to real. take into consideration inflation and all this other macroeconomic boring stuff. Yeah, exactly. There we go, there we go. 650. 650. Um, all right, another one. Let's go. What do you think? 
Uh, I think I chance. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh, well, I think famously. What was your question? What do we think of Tottenham? I think shit. Shit. And what do we think of shit? Uh, I believe it's Tottenham. Oh, thank you. No, that's right. It's fine. Very good. Uh, what are our chances of winning the league, Sebastian? <laughs> uh, dot S has asked. Stop, stop, Slim, stop. I would say, but bigger, but bigger than they were ten games ago. I think is a fair assessment. I like that. You know, I, look, if I had to put like chances on it, I'd say we've got a one in fifteen. That's harsh. One in ten. If That's this season was played you? out. Like Wait, if you, if this play if this yeah, if this ten, was taped this exact situation was played out ten separate times in various parallel universes at least one of those times I think we'd, we'd win. but realistically I, no. nine times no, out I of agree. ten we won't you know I agree yeah. I was going to say ten percent yeah well there you go yeah yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. But the the flip side of that is, and this is where this season is so unique, right? And mate, just to just to caveat this, I'm not saying we're going to go and win the league because I really don't think anyone's getting near near Harland or City. I think it will be by about ten points. But I do think we'll come second. Or we've got a good chance of that. Um, and uh, like this is a really unique season. If we've got five more games till the World Cup, right? They are quite winnable games. Very difficult still. Obviously, no easy game. Yada 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 yada. But we go into the World Cup top or within a point or two, which I think is most likely. One of those scenarios is going to happen, but it's going to be extremely close, right? We've got the Cronkies. We've got basically another summer, really. Like this new January transfer window, I think. Is a lot of time for clubs to go away while the World Cup's on, have a think, and go, right, what do we need to do this January? Who's available? I think the transfer market's going to be big. You're the Cronkies. You're one point off top. When the hell have you got a better chance to go for it? I don't think we will. What players are you pulling in? You know, you've got players across Europe who, you know, different teams aren't really performing at the level they hoped. We've got various, what, Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern, Juventus, all massively in transition. Like, what, what does the next step look like? And if you've got any opportunity to go for something, why wait to summer when you can bring it forward? The World Cup can bring some absolutely glorious players out. Um, look, who knows? Is 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 the realest answer? But uh, I I, it, I do think it's going to accelerate some transfer activity. Um, but, you know, I mean, look what happened last season when we didn't and Spurs did, right? Mm-hmm. It, it can be huge. I mean, the other side of that is, I think City have got quite. A Thin squad, and uh, they could quite easily, um, quite easily go and splurge because they need it too. But anyway, uh, <laughs> alrighty. Um, duh, 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 duh. Okay, we'll go for one last one. And Connor, this is from you. So this is cheating a bit, but um, do you want to ask it? Do you remember what you asked? Okay, fine. Previous Connor said, "Does Arsenal need more crowd interaction for games? For example, use of drums." Well, to be fair, the Ashburton Army are doing a lot of that for us. Um, they they bring a drum, I believe. Uh, they tend to be bringing a lot of the noise, but to be fair, it's very infectious. And it's, to be honest, it's, it's it's a lot of the crowd now. It isn't just them, but um, yeah, I think 
there's a lot going on at stadium. I don't think we need to try and do anything else, but it's it's all happening organically, which I think is great. I don't know. What, what do you think? Mm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, yeah, word. A couple thoughts. I think the first thing is I think that every single fan that goes to a game needs to be handed an individual Vuvuzela so that they hmm. can just uh, yeah. make it blare for Definitely. the whole 90 minutes and we all lose our hearing. But no, I, I think as an American, I think that what makes American sports really corny and cringeworthy is that most of the fan singing and clapping and all of that is directed by the stadium. Mm. The thing that makes football so magical and specifically football more than any other sport is that everything is self startup. The fan, one fan will just, you know, drunkenly start yelling and then 30 people will respond immediately. Like that doesn't happen in American sports the same way. So Mm. I do like the idea of maybe giving out a few more drums, like, you could even like apply. Like if you, you know, I don't want to give a drum to someone who has no rhythm and they ruin the crowd. You know what I mean? But I do like the idea of maybe a few more people having some sort of like a little more power, so to say, in terms of getting the the people going. But I don't think, I think there's a fine line between fabricated vibes and authentic vibes. And I think Arsenal is a club that knows how to tread that line very well. I I couldn't agree more. I think the Lewis Dunford thing is the closest thing exactly, uh, exactly. that they've done. But where did that come from? Like I lo- I loved it. Liverpool fans like saying it was forced and all that sort of stuff. And it was like just to let you know. I don't know if you know anything about the Never Walk Alone, but it's done by eight clubs and it wasn't even invented by you. This Are you is serious? a boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be with Dortmund Rangers. Is it Rangers? Yeah, they all do it before a game. It's not unique. It's not interesting. Um, and it actually kills an atmosphere because they sing at the beginning and it goes dead for the rest of it. Anfield being good atmosphere is a myth. We've had it here for probably quite a lot of times. But um, anyway, asking seriously, ask anyone that's been to Anfield that isn't a Liverpool fan. It's like literally that was so disappointing. Um, so uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, Lewis Dunford is from North London. He's a huge Arsenal fan. It it grew from Arsenal fans and was listened to by Arteta. And he's gone. This is this is something the fans are doing. We should bring that into the stadium because this is from them. If that's not organic, I don't know what is, and a tradition's got to start somewhere, right? But the but the way it started, that my favorite part of how it started, I should say, is that he tweeted um, something. I forget exactly. He said something like, "Oh, like this should be played at the Emirates or something." Yeah, he was at a pub drunk and jokingly tweeted that. The next day, he woke up and he had like thousands of likes on the tweet. And then within a week, he was at the training ground. He was at London Colney, meeting yeah. the players. And then, boom, it's so cool, man. It's so That's Imagine. the stuff that makes Arsenal different, you know? It's it's the community and the 
again, I still put all this stuff down to like Arteta and what he's done. And it is, it is such a feel good fact that he's brought. It's a mentality. It's the even here, like the first six months to a year, or even now, like everything's about the fans. To the players, he's talking about the fans. To the cameras, he's talking about the fans. Every board meet, like it's all about the fans, and um, you know, it's worked. So fair play to him. But look, um, oh, basically. Being an Arsenal fan is great, but um, and it's a good time to be podcasting for it, quite frankly, because this podcast started when we were rock bottom. So uh, well, we were eighth place, actually. So but it was very difficult times. But look, um, let's leave it there. We've just gone over an hour and people have probably got bored of us. So we'll, we'll, we'll stop there. But um, look, really appreciate you coming on, guys. And um, so thanks so much. Fingers House, a.k.a. Marcelo. So I do really appreciate it, mate. And hope you come on more often. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we're... we're- where can people find you, Marcelo? Just to give us the, the right uh, Yeah, Yeah, so um, my Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. I don't use TikTok, but TikTok are all. <laughs> uh, and when I say Wenger, obviously I'm talking about Arsene Wenger as in Wenger. Most people probably say Wenger. So just Wenger's house. So Wenger <laughs> S house. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Nice. And um, we'll find you, find you like that. Yeah, this is what we're. This is the next step, my friend. Hit us, give us the roundup. Um, so uh, hit me, hit me, Connor, with your uh, with your roundup. I actually, I was just saying, I bumped into Jordan Nobbs yesterday. I told you this earlier, but I was just telling everyone it was really exciting. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Jonas of course. Yes, J that sounds like a Y. Yeah, we. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we both both Marcelo and I met him. At yeah, stadium at the North London. That was, cool. that was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but but go for it, Connor. What's the um, what's been going on? Exciting start to the season. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to see it, eat it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Hmm. 
There's two crucial games, really. I mean, it tends to boil down to, right? And it's Chelsea have already lost a game um, from memory. And it's the 15th of January. We're playing at home against Chelsea. And then it's actually the second last game of the season. I mean, that's going to be spicy, right? Hmm. Yeah. Mm No, good to hear. I think you're on uh, mute. I keep doing Marcelo. that. I'm going to the, the Chelsea Man U games. I'm really excited for those ones. But I didn't think to get tickets for um, – I didn't even realize the Champions League tickets were already on sales. So I'm thank you for that. I'm definitely trying to go to those. You said club is 15? Unreal. That's mad. So, look, here's that the is fixture crazy. list. At home, Zurich. Um, oh, yeah. That is on the 27th of October – um 7th of december is home against juventus followed by 15th of december which is a home against leon so those three are the ones i think we should go we should go as a three i don't think you'll take it yet connor but let's do it let's do it
Let's do it. Um, well, great to hear. I mean, look, it's it's all singing, all dancing for both of us um, in terms of the women's and the men's team. So uh, let's hope that next week when we're speaking, it'll still be rock and rolling. And actually, there's still going to be a lot more to talk about. I'm sure there is from both sides. We've got Leeds away. Who have women got next? Just looking at the fixture list. We are Leeds next, aren't we? And the women's have Reading. Okay, I mean, yeah, sure. Touch wood. That's an easy one. But um, good to hear it. But um, Connor, where can people find you? What's the uh, the best handle for you at absolutely well look mate thanks so much for coming again it's good to be back great to be back uh, so yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Connor. I do really appreciate it. And again, love it so much, Vengas House, aka Marcelo. Thanks so much for coming on again. Really I'm appreciate excited, it, man. I'm excited. All right, here's the big things. Cheers, guys. Good to meet All you right. too. Man. Thanks so much for everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. Uh, promise we'll be back next week. I know it's been a tough couple of weeks, but uh, we will get it all sorted. Uh, wrong music. There we go. <laughs> all right, take care, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>